Good morning and welcome back into another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Monday, October 5th, week four of the NFL season, all just about wrapped up. We've got a double special tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, feel bad for Packers and, and Falcons fans and ESPN. You know, I feel bad for all of them because uh, no one's really going to pay that much attention to their game with with uh, New England and Kansas City starting off an hour before. Um, so, sorry Atlanta, sorry Green Bay, sorry ESPN, your ratings. You're going to get uh, outshone by CBS here because we get the Chiefs and Patriots. Um, so we've got a double header for Monday Night Football tonight to wrap up the rest of the week. Uh, today's episode going game by game uh, through all of Sunday's action. Uh, you know, telling you where I was right, where I was wrong. Uh, we'll go through each game, talk about where some of these teams are standing at. Um, also sprinkle in some, some gambling stuff that, that we talked about. You know, sports betting and, and especially in the NFL has kind of become one of my um, new, I guess, loves for it. Um, I don't like to call it an addiction. I don't think it's an addiction if you're winning. So we're still winning. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we keep that trend continuing. So as we go through the games, I'll tell you where you know some stuff I was really on about uh, in the gambling world, and I'll tell you some things where I was really wrong about, and uh, some some brutal L's that I took this week. It was a uh, uh, on yesterday, so I, I didn't end up in the green for the first week uh, of the season. I had been in the green weeks one, two, and three. This week, slightly down. Still have a lot of action in tonight to kind of make up for it. Um, but I'll go through. I had some three brutal plays that just, you know, tore me apart. It would have been an amazing day otherwise. But, of course, that's gambling for everybody. So we will see what happens. Um, so let's just let's just go through. Let's start off with the uh, 1 o'clock games, work our way down through to Sunday Night Football. Um, first, we'll start off with the Saints and the Detroit Lions. New Orleans moving to 2-2, two and two, avenging their two-game losing streak to the Raiders and the Packers by beating the Detroit Lions, who fall to 1-3 and three now. Uh, Detroit scored the first 14, scored the last 15, um, and New Orleans scored the 35 in between. Uh, Detroit got off to a great start. Scripted plays went really well against that defense, and when it came time to, I guess, um, you know, add in, you know, work off, work away from the scripted plays and go more with the game flow. That's where it got really uh, shitty for them. Uh, you, you just look across the board. You know, Matt Stafford didn't have a bad game. 17 to 31, 206, three touchdowns and a pick. It really couldn't get much on the ground. Uh, AP leading the way with 36 yards, of course, when you um, start trailing by, you know, double digits. And, and when New Orleans puts up 28 straight points to finish out the first half, can't really stay can stay true to the run game, um, and for New Orleans, look, you know, th- this is Drew Brees. I I I I'm sorry that I I don't believe he is a talented quarterback anymore in terms of athleticism and arm talent, but I think he is in a perfect situation in New Orleans where he doesn't have to do much, and it's a lot of freebies, and it's a lot of open passes. Um, he was efficient yet again, 19 to 25 for 246, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, uh, which I believe was returned for a touchdown. Name of the game for New Orleans: it's it's the ground game, it's short passes. You know, Kamara and Latavius Murray ran the ball for a combined 33 times. Um, meanwhile, you know, in the receiving game, they finally got Emmanuel Sanders rolling, which is huge. You know, we saw in the in the um, 
I think in the Vegas game is where it first started. He got his first touchdown with Breeze, and then you know week three got a little bit better with the Packers. Now he's in his groove. If he can be a, a formidable number two for Drew Breeze when Michael Thomas returns, I feel way more comfortable about this offense as they approach the playoffs. Obviously, I think they're still a playoff team. Um, I never thought they were in danger of missing the postseason. Um, you know, uphill battle to climb. They got to you know maintain the same record as Tampa to win that division, or else they'll fall to the wild card. Um, but look, this is going to be a playoff team. I don't have faith in them as one of those teams that'll be there in the NFC title game or make it to the Super Bowl. Um, I just have I just have questions about the quarterback position. That's really it. Andrew Brees isn't isn't bad, but there's there's only he he's limited now. So that's what you're getting out of Brees. Um, Really didn't watch a whole lot of this game, I'll be honest with you. Uh, not a whole lot excites me about Detroit. New Orleans, I know what I get out of them every week. There were other games that I was way more fascinated with. But Saints take this one, move to 2-1. and one. Lions, the seat is getting hotter for Matt Patricia. Defense crumbled, um, and the offense did all it could, really. You know, protect it. You know, you get the early lead. You're able to score late. The defense just it couldn't. Couldn't finish through. 35 straight points. That's, that's a rough one to take. Uh, Saints, 35. Lions, 29. Really fun game in Tampa. Holy shit. Could you imagine being a rookie quarterback in your you know third start of the season, and you are just going back and forth with, with the GOAT? Um, Justin Herbert was terrific. Was terrific against Tampa's defense, which... You know, people are saying, oh, is the defense not... No, the defense is still good. Tampa Bay still has one of the best defenses in football. The secondary is definitely not as strong as the front seven, but it's good. You got a good cornerback there in Carlton Davis, some young safety play. Justin Herbert, 20-25 for 290 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Um, He was the leading rusher on the day, five carries, 14 yards. Um, You know, Eckler getting hurt in the game is is a huge uh, loss for them. Um, but look, the Chargers knew the game plan. They knew they weren't going to get anything on the ground, so they went through the air a bunch, um, tried to keep the ball out of Tampa's hands, and for a while, you know, it it went really well. You know, they they kept, you know, they put up 31 points against a Tampa Bay defense that I find very impressive. Meanwhile, on the flip side of things, you know, like I said, these teams with new quarterbacks and you know, new head coaches, new offensive, they're. they're just going to take a little bit time to get rolling. They're starting to open up the playbook, these deep passes for Tom Brady, what Bruce Arians needs in every offense he runs. He's all about that those deep passing concepts. Um, look, it's not the way that, uh, that Brady usually plays. He's a lot of dink and dunk, short passes, work across the middle of the field like he did in New England with Josh McDaniels. But he, he proved a lot to me yesterday with how he was throwing balls deep consistently. Now, look, the Chargers are so banged up on defense, their secondary is injured just about everywhere. So there's a, you know, you would like to see it again. But it's still a talented defense. You know, it's still a good defense. It's not great. Um, but Brady was pushing the ball down the field. 30 for 46, 369, five touchdowns, did throw a pick. Ronald Jones got things going on the ground, 20 carries for 111 yards. And look, when you've got Mike Evans, um, you know, you didn't have Chris Godwin out there, so Scotty Miller had a big game. Scotty, Scott Miller is just going to be a favorite for Tom Brady all season. He's he's essentially just like, it's it's that white receiver prototype from New England. So they're just, it's just white, shifty, over-the-middle type guys like an Adam Humphrey situation or, you know, um, you know Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan. He's just going to be that guy that's always making these 
these catches. Um, O.J. Howard, tough loss. He looked like he was coming into his own the last few games, so I was excited to see Tom with a um, consistent tight end play. Fortunately, they're a little deep, so um, you can you can get Cameron Brake going. You can try and get Gronk some more touches. He only had uh, one catch yesterday. Um, Buccaneers are going to be a playoff team. Like I said, it's just it it takes time for these offenses to get rolling into the into a new season when you didn't have a preseason. So Tampa Bay is finding their form. Um, but man, to me, the story more than anything, Justin Herbert. You know, there's. I, I got to be careful when I say this because you know you have no idea what's going on in Miami, um, and we'll, we'll address that game later. But for me, there's got to be a reason that Tua is is not starting over Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, beyond beyond health, you know, if Tua is healthy. What is he not showing in practice to make teams to make Brian Flores think that Ryan still deserves to be the starter? You know, I and look, this is me just trying to. This could just be me trying to get my narrative right because you know I I did have Justin Herbert as a better quarterback prospect out of the draft than Tua. You know, go back check the tapes. I said it all last college football season. I said it all of you know draft season leading up to the draft. I really harped on the Dolphins for taking Tua over Herbert, and I gave the Chargers a lot of credit for drafting Justin Herbert. Herbert's looking great. Joe Burrow's looking great. I I, I, I am curious when we are going to start to see Tua. Um, we'll talk about the Dolphins later, as I said. Justin Herbert, very impressive. Please, Anthony Lynn, for the love of God, one, apologize to your quarterback. Apologize to him. You made some some rude comments about a young quarterback who's trying to find confidence in this league and he's done everything to prove you wrong and you know sorry if your defense didn't allow 38 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you would have beaten a really good team moved to two and two a lot of excitement Herbert put up 31 points for your offense you should feel I guess there was a pick six in there too but you should feel very good about your quarterback please don't go back to Tyrod the future is Justin Sucks that Tyrod got hurt. It sucks the way that he got injured. Justin's the guy. He's the future of the franchise. And he's doing well against good teams. No running game yesterday. Offensive line is shaky. Stick with Herbert. Next game, we are going to go to Jaguars-Bengals. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about here. Um, whew, where to go with this? Jaguars, they got down. They couldn't run the ball with James Robinson, who still ended up with 75 yards. You know, Jaguars protecting the lead is, is very strong. Um, the thing that I'll say, I, I expected a lot more from the Jaguars' defense. And look, losing Miles Jack midway through the game is a huge blow. He's the best player on that defense now by a, by a long shot. So losing him hurts. Of course, you take um, you take the lead into halftime, and then you get outscored 17-0 in the third quarter. It's 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 a tough. That's a that's such a huge momentum swing right out of the gate. So the Jaguars, uh, you know, they're going to be one of those teams that's that's not very good this season, but they're going to hang around. I really love their offense, but their defense is problems. We're going to talk about this a lot through the game today. There are a lot of defensive-minded coaches that are awful on defense, while their offense is just like is putting up points all the time. You know, the Jaguars put up a ton of points against Miami. Last week, they allowed so many to the Dolphins, though. Um, you know, this week, again, you put up 25, you give up 33. 
You know, the defense is the problem here. Um, Jay Gruden has done a terrific job, um, you know, with this offense. And so, you know, it's it's just can the defense get stops? Um, the other, you got to give credit here to Joe Burrow. Looks great. Looks great in a shitty situation. And it was great that Joe Mixon could finally get involved. I was very um, shaky. Uh, it, it, Cincinnati kind of reminds me of a situation like the Giants where no matter how good the running back is, if you don't have an offensive line that can move um, bodies back at the line of scrimmage, you you can't do well. And we've seen that through Mixon through the entire season. Fortunately, they were able to bully around the Jaguars front seven yesterday. He went through 150 yards on the ground with two touchdowns. Six catches for 30 yards and a score through the air. Um, he, he's such a talented player. He's such a talented running back. And um, it's just, uh, you know, up until last week, it was unfortunate that the offensive line couldn't create any space for him. They did today. Um, and, it, and it really just, it made this Bengals offense just so much more dynamic when you have balance and you have to be worried about the run. It just makes life so much easier for Burrow, who was, like I said, great again. 25, 36, 300 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um it was the Joe Mixon show, but man, Cincinnati, you got a good one. Got a good quarterback in Burrow. He's he's legit. It's not just a one-year flash in the pan at LSU with Joe Brady. He's legit. Moving on to the next game. This is this is where I got to my horn. I told you guys. I told you guys Minnesota was going to get their first win of the season over the Texans. I told you the Texans were going to fall to 0-4. Talked about it on the uh, on the betting show with Teddy last Friday. I was all over the Vikings plus I think four or three and a half. I forget what we we got them at. I um, also took Vikings money line. Look, the the Texans are awful against the run. They're so bad against. Really, their entire defense is very bad, but they're especially bad in the front seven. Um, Dalvin Cook had a field day, 130 yards, two touchdowns. It was just, it was easy. I know, I know the Vikings, you know, or the Texans. They made a comeback in the second half. They tried to, you know, try to get some points on there. They outscored them in the second half, uh, 17 to 14, um, and, and they were marching down trying to get that final touchdown. Obviously, they fell short. I, I told you guys it was going to be a down year for the Texans. I, I just, you know. Bill O'Brien, to me, is just one of those guys. He's had his job way too long. Like, yeah, dude, it's great that you're, you know, consistently 9-7. and seven. You're making the wild card game. You maybe win one postseason game and then lose the next. But you have a, you, you're doing that because you have a great quarterback. And now you've just taken so much away from his supporting cast that it, it reminds me, and I see this, you know, so many times across the league and you feel bad for him. It just it reminds me of Andrew Luck. You know, you don't have the support around him now where he can, you know, feel comfortable, where he can feel like he doesn't have to do 100% of the job to win these games. You know, the defense is atrocious. Andrew Luck was having to put up mid-30s every week just so that he could get wins. And, and it worked, but look at what happened to his career, man. He just took so many hits. And, you know, Deshaun, he had the injury his rookie season. He stayed pretty healthy otherwise, but you just worry, man. I just I, I feel bad for him. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in football, but he can't he no quarterback should be asked to do this much. I put the blame solely on Bill O'Brien, and I guess even ownership too for Bill O'Brien, you know, being appointed GM, them not even, you know, thinking about bringing in someone else. Um, he shouldn't be a GM. He shouldn't be a head coach. It's, it just sucks. You know, as a Colts fan, you love it because, you know, it makes the division that much easier. But as a fan of Deshaun Watson's game, it's just unfortunate to, to see him have to deal with all of this. Um, 
look, both these teams aren't, aren't going to have amazing seasons, but both are still at a point where they could turn it around. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if if the Texans ended up 8-8, eight and eight, you know, you get some easy wins against Jacksonville maybe, maybe you split with the Colts. They could have – I'm just – I'm out on them making the playoffs obviously now. Um, they would have to go 9-3 and three the rest of the way. Um, so we would need a lot of Deshaun Watson magic, but I'm just – I'm out on this season, move on from Bill O'Brien, try and fix the cap situation. The problem is, is that they're, they have the highest payroll this year. They don't have a first or second round pick next year. And so it's like, okay, Bill O'Brien, not only have you ruined your you know, uh, reputation across the league by the way that you've set this up, but the next guy that comes in to take over for Houston has so much shit to deal with. You don't have a pick in the first two rounds next year and you're this bad? You've got a lot of bad contracts. It just, it's a mess. It really is. I feel bad for whoever takes over the GM job for uh, for Bill O'Brien after this year. It's going to be disastrous. Uh, like I said, neither of these teams I expect big things from this year. Um, hats off to the Vikings for getting their first win of the season. Really love seeing Justin Jefferson come into his own, get you know a good connection going with Kirk Cousins. That could be a really nice one-two punch uh, as they try and, you know, live on past the Stefan Diggs era in, in uh, Minnesota. Ugly, 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 ugly game um, in Miami, uh, which I guess, you know, we always say it. We should have expected it. The West Coast team traveling to East Coast for the early afternoon game. It's always just like, it's always just an ugly game. It always is. You know, the the Seahawks covered the, you know, minus seven spread, which, which he had. The overhit, <laughs> the overhit, <laughs> so close. It was it was the sneakiest win of the day for me. You know, I, like I said, we're gonna talk about a lot of places where I got shafted. Uh, this over was set at. Um, let me try and find it. I got it at fifty three and a half, and you knew that the um, you knew that the Dolphins were gonna have to go for two at the end. If they didn't get it, the over wasn't gonna hit. If they got it, the over hit by half a point. They got it. Over hit. Very sneaky one. Seahawks cover the spread. Um, it definitely was a shaky game, though. You know, Russ couldn't get a lot going. Still had 360 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. So, you know, to say he couldn't really get things going is, is hilarious when you take a look at the numbers. He, he was under pressure a lot. Seahawks' offensive line didn't do a good job holding up. Um, the Dolphins did put a lot of pressure on him. And the defense for the Dolphins looked a lot better than they had uh, through the early parts of the season. Um, you know, Ryan, 315 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. He did run for a touchdown, so I'll give him some there. Couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, Devontae Parker, huge game, 110 yards, receiving on 10 catches. Um, like I said, the Dolphins, it's not going to be now. It's not going to be next year. I, I have a ton of faith in what they're building with Brian Flores. The the one move that I don't like so far, the one move is I just I don't like the Tua pick. I would have taken Herbert. I think that if you have Herbert in Miami right now, he's he's starting over Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, and I think he probably would have won the job in the preseason. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Tua. I know he was dealing with an with an illness, um, so obviously maybe that's why you don't put him in. But I, I gotta see him soon, man. I I know the offensive line isn't great. Um, let's take a look at the Dolphins' schedule, actually. I want to see if there's a good stretch to put him in, because that's a, that's a big part of things, too, is you want to give him a couple easy games, you know, a good stretch of, of games 
where, okay, it's not great defenses. Um, oh, and I found it. I found it. Okay, perfect. Here's the stretch. You are going to put... That's late in the season. But you're going to put Tua in on um, November 8th. November 8th, you play the Cardinals. Very bad defense. We will talk about them um, and my frustrations with them later on. You play the Dolphins. Then you go play the Jets. Then you have your bye week. Then you play the Jets again and the Bengals. That's the stretch where you put Tua in. So you have... Ryan Fitzpatrick play the 49ers. You have them play the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Rams. Four tough teams that are coming up. Maybe you can sneak out a win against Denver. Maybe you could surprise the Chargers. You probably lose to the 49ers and the Rams. After that, that's when I'm putting in Tua. Um, you give him four easy defenses, and then see you know if things go well. Keep him in. Let him you know go the rest of the season with the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills. Four very tough teams to finish out the season. Or you go back to Fitzy and say, hey, you're going to have to just deal with this. It's a lost season. Best of luck against these really great teams. Um, that's what I would do, but I, I am a little concerned why we haven't seen him yet. It probably is just the level of difficulty with their opponents. That stretch in the middle of the season is probably something they're looking at as the time to make the move. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll see him uh, a month from now. You know, four more games and then put, put Tua in. But honestly, if the Dolphins keep losing, we could see it sooner just as a, a desperation move. Not sure, but I do like what they're building. I do like Flores, do like the GM, do like the way that they're trying to build the roster. The players love Brian Flores. Just depends, you know, just depends if, if Tua can hit it or not because I, I'm i not a huge fan. Um, I definitely have my questions. Seahawks, look, uh, you know, if there's a trap game that you want to consider, it's definitely an early morning game traveling across the country. All this, yada, yada, yada. Still one by eight. Very good team. You're going to be there uh, deep in the playoffs. Another game I got to toot my horn on. Uh, Cleveland Browns against the Dallas Cowboys. Browns win this one 49-38. It was a Big 12 showdown down in Texas. It was like the uh, it was like Texas Tech versus uh, Baylor. Just a, a fat shootout. Um and despite all of that, Baker only threw for 165 yards and two touchdowns, but that was because on the ground, I mean, holy shit, who wasn't running the ball well? They ran for 307 yards, the Cleveland Browns, and Nick Chubb got hurt early, early in the game. Now, of course, you have guys uh, in there like Kareem Hunt, who took 11 carries for 71 yards and two touchdowns. You have Odell Beckham Jr., who had two carries for 73 yards, to Ernest Johnson, 13 carries, 95 yards, an average of 7.5 yards a carry. If you go back and you listen to the Friday show with Teddy, I told you guys, the, the injuries on the Cowboys' defense, especially in the front seven, are too, um, too significant to, to overcome. And when you think of Kevin Stefanski and where his background is, he was in Minnesota last year. They love two tight end sets, and they love running between the tackles. And that's all they had to do. You, you sprinkle in a few trick plays like the Jarvis pass to OBJ, the end around for OBJ. You get your playmakers involved in, in these trick play circumstances. But the rest of the game, you're just, you're just smashing them in the face. The Cleveland offensive line did very well. Uh, like I said, though, this, this Cowboys defensive front seven is so banged up. They've got no linebackers playing right now, essentially. Front seven is still hurt. Demarcus Lawrence is, a, is a still a little banged up. I told you guys, Cleveland was going to win this one. They were going to win it. They pushed through. 
um, dominated at the at the point of attack. And for the Cowboys, the biggest story here is what more do you need Dak Prescott to do? What more do you need this offense to do? You know, I, I'm I can blame injuries. I can blame injuries to a certain extent, but 50 points. 50 points is rough to give up. I said this, I tweeted about it during the game. I think this has to, this probably has got to be one of the more frustrating losses for Jerry Jones in his tenure as owner for the Cowboys. And I say that because, you know, he's always still stuck in this. The Cowboys are this uh, pristine organization. We are the top of the food chain. We're the Yankees of professional football when it comes to just our brand, our popularity across the world. Um, you know, America's team is what everybody has called them for so long. Um, and, you know, he probably sees the Browns as still as just one of these awful, poorly run organizations, and they got smacked in the face by him. Um, the thing that pisses me off is that Jerry Jones and, and all this dispute over whether or not they're going to pay Dak Prescott or not, I don't know how you could look at this team and say that, you know, Dak isn't doing enough to, to help win games. You know, if you just, let's, let's pull up the Cowboys schedule. We'll take a look. Um... Because that, that's the big thing right here. 17 points against against the Rams to start off the season. Not great. Rams, really good defense. Shortened offseason, new head coach. I'll give you it there. That's tough. Then you go week two. You put up 40 points against the Falcons. Huge comfort behind win. Crazy circumstances. You put up 40 points, though. Following week, Seattle Seahawks, one of the toughest teams in football. Your offense puts up 31. What's the problem? Your defense gave up 38. And then this past week, you score 38 points. You do everything you can in the second half to erase this disastrous lead that the Browns had built. But Cleveland puts up 49. The offense is not the problem here. The problems are is that this defense, you know, you, you lose your best corner in free agency. You weren't willing to pay him. You did draft a nice replacement. You know, Trevon Diggs is going to be a good corner. He's looked decent, you know, through the first month of the season. But, man, that defense is just awful. How much more does Dak Prescott need to do before he starts getting recognition? Like, you know, I just, it's so frustrating because I really think this Dallas offense is one of the best in football all around. It's one of the best, but the defense is atrocious and it's just, it's screwing them. Um, all that being said, and I'll discuss more of this, I guess, with the Sunday night football game. The, the Cowboys are still the team to beat in this division. You can't look across the NFC East and say, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, because they beat San Francisco on, on a primetime game, Sunday night football, that they're the ones that are going to win this division at 1-2-1 one, and one so far. The 1-3 and three Dallas Cowboys are going to win this division. It's going to be 8-8, eight and eight, could be 7-9. and nine. They're going to win this division. This is not a, a huge swing now where we have to say Philadelphia is the favorite. For the Browns, big game coming up this week defensively, a, a huge switch. Um, in, in defenses you're facing, the Cowboys, of course, so awful in the front seven. And, and as a whole on defense, uh, you guys got to take on the Colts this upcoming week, which we'll talk about their defenses um, playing at a pretty historic rate right now. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Browns, you know, they almost gave it up there. Got a little scary at the end, but they win by 11. Uh, really impressive showing. I, I feel really good for the Browns. You know, I, I said playoff team, 9-7. and seven. They're 3-1 right now. We got to give them some credit. And, and we said this, I said this in the offseason, you know, everybody was just premature with hyping up the Browns. And it it didn't go well last year. Now everybody started doubting them. 
this is the year where things start, you know, getting worked out together. Um, and, and hey, they're three and one. Hats off to them. Move on over to Carolina now. And as I told you, there were some games that were extremely frustrating for me um, in the world of gambling. Uh, the Cardinals are officially dead to me, man. They are D-E-D dead. Dead to me. I said they were dead to me uh, last week on Twitter because they ruined a six-and-a-half-point teaser for me that had seven teams. Uh, the Cardinals, all they had to do was to beat the Lions. We all know how that went. Missed me out on a, a massive payout. It was a plus-900 teaser. I didn't learn my lesson. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I took the Cardinals uh, in a seven-team, seven-point teaser, this time just paying out at plus 700. All they had to do was uh, lose by less than four to the Carolina Panthers, uh, and they couldn't, even, they couldn't even do that. They lose by 10 to the Panthers. Uh, Cardinals now 2-2 two and two on the season after looking really great the first two weeks of the season. Um, and the Panthers move up to 2-2 two and two now um, with, you know, look, I, as much as I want to hate on the Cardinals and I say that they choked this one away, i got to give credit to the Carolina Panthers. Um, my breakdown of this game, essentially, aside from the gambling world because the, Pan the Cardinals are now dead to me, they're dead. I, I'm not going to be betting on them for a while. They do play the Jets this week, though. I might bet on them one more week. But if they fuck up to the Jets then they're even more than dead to me. Um, the, the breakdown of this game, the Cardinals' defense just couldn't get off the field. I mean, you take a look. It was Mike Davis, 16 carries, 84 yards, averaging. They had three, three guys average over five yards a carry now, one of which is Teddy Bridgewater. He only ran the ball six times, but still some impressive runs. Of course, that 18-yard scramble for a touchdown. Um, Mike Davis, 16 carries, 84 yards. Reggie Bonifon, who? 10 carries, 53 yards. Um, and then Teddy was good through the air, too. Look, this isn't just a front seven problem for the Cardinals. This is a, an entire defense problem. Robbie Anderson is playing lights out for the Panthers, um, re reuniting with his former head coach, uh, Matt Rule. Eight catches, 99 yards. Uh, the thing that's crazy about this, the way that the offense is now schemed is it's not a great offense for DJ Moore. It really is more about stretching the field. These deep concepts with Robbie Anderson, um, they get Curtis Samuel involved on some deep passes. DJ Moore, who is one of the most talented young wide receivers in football, you know, he's, he's having a slump, but it's just this offense isn't necessarily uh, built for him. Um, I definitely hope that they can get him more involved and find out different ways to get him the ball because he is an electric playmaker. Um, but this offense just seems to be tailored more to a guy like Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. Um, so as much as I want to poo-poo on the Cardinals' defense, i got to give some credit to Carolina. They did move the ball well. I, I wasn't expecting it out of their offense. They're 2-2. Two and two. Um, You know, I... I thought they would be one of the worst teams in football. I thought they would be taking a quarterback at the top of the draft. They still could be. It's four weeks into the season, and they're 500. They could very easily be, you know, a, a five and 11 team or a six and 10 picking at the top of the draft. Not as close as I predicted, but you know, this still isn't a great team. Um, but you get very excited 
about what they're building. Like to me, this isn't more of like, cause I'm always on the, I'm on the bandwagon now where like Teddy is just going to be a glorified backup for whatever young quarterback it, and, you know, is have a lot of valuable lessons to share to whoever they draft. But man, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, they, if they stay together for a bit and, you know, I, I'm all on Joe getting a head coaching job after he just dominates this year, they got something good going. They drafted really well. They drafted on the defensive side the entire draft. Derek Brown is a freak of nature. We're going to be talking about him for the next decade as one of the best interior defensive linemen. Market, he's been phenomenal. And, um, you know, safety Jeremy Chin, who I believe was inactive this past week, uh, they got in the second or third round. Very talented. Safety has looked really good. They're, to me, my... They're, they're a different mold of it, but they're my NFC version of the Dolphins, where I'm like, hey, you guys get it. You guys understand how to build a football team. You guys are going to get it done. It's not going to be now. It's not going to be next year. But two teams that I'm putting my stock in that we're saying by the mid-2020s, like, holy shit, these guys are consistently... You know, playoff contenders, um, you know, they, they've done really well of developing their own talent. It's Miami and Carolina. I'm just putting it out there. Those two teams, give them a few years, they're going to be great. Um, and then on the flip side of things, you know, I want to talk about the Cardinals offense for a little bit because it's it's scary, you know? Um, I, I said it on Friday's show that, you know, well, it was still in the air if DeAndre Hopkins was going to play or not, that Kyler Murray to any other receiver that's not DeAndre Hopkins is a little iffy. He completes, you know, just over half of his passes to re other receivers on the team. Um, the yards are just about as even with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre didn't have a great game. You could tell he was a little banged up. Seven catches for 41 yards. Still led the team in receptions. Um, but like I said, you take away, you know, I'm not sure how many, I don't have how many times DeAndre was targeted, but the completion percentage to guys not named DeAndre Hopkins is definitely worrisome. Um, I feel a little Lamar Jackson here in terms of playing with a deficit. He's a little too frantic for me right now, which is why I'm pumping the brakes on the Cardinals. I officially am. I know they play the Jets this week, so they'll probably look amazing. But I am pumping the brakes on the Cardinals just in terms of when this team is trailing. And they're going to be trailing because, you know, it's, it's great for Baltimore because they're rarely trailing. They're trailing to they're trailing sometimes to the Steelers. They're trailing to the, the Chiefs. Their defense is so good that they're not trailing that often. What worries me for the... Um, for the Cardinals, their defense is atrocious. So Kyler is going to be have, having to, to pull himself out of deficits a lot. And uh, he looks a little sketchy doing so. Um, still think he's a good quarterback. It's just the one thing that I'm seeing. Eh. One of my friends texted me this the other day. He's not a, he's not a Cliff Kingsbury fan, and I'm, I'm still jury's out. He's looked great a bunch of games where he's, when he's play calling, but some of it's a little shaky. They were saying, go and get Greg Roman from Baltimore, offensive coordinator, make him the head coach in Arizona. Now that is exciting. Obviously, I'm not I'm not ready to move on from Cliff. I think that, you know, Cliff is doing a, a fine job. Um, him and Kyler seem to have a good groove going. Um, big, big frustrating game, though, for uh, Kenyon Drake, guys. I always talk about, um, I, I don't talk about fantasy football a whole lot. I kind of just do my drafts. You know, I'm in too many leagues always. It's frustrating because you're essentially rooting for and against every player in the league. There are guys that I just avoid. 
Kenyon Drake is one of those. I, I'm in eight leagues this year. I have him in one, and only because I got him at the very end of the second round. He just kept falling and falling. Um, frustrating game for him. 13 carries, 35 yards, 2.7 yards a carry. He's on the field a ton and not getting any touches. I mean, you look through the air, too. He got nothing. It was all Chase Edmonds from the running back position. Um they obviously won that trade. You know, David Johnson wasn't a fit in this offense, and DeAndre Hopkins has been amazing for Kyler, so I'm not worried about that trade. Um, but they do, I think, still need to figure out something at the running back position, something that can be a better fit for this offense because uh, Kenyon has a couple good games every once in a while, but it's not consistent. Um, still think that the Cardinals can be, uh, you know, 7-9 and nine to 8-8 eight and eight team this year. They've got an easy first half of the schedule, so, you know, through the next four weeks, you really are going to have to go probably three and one. Um, you know, really, really, you should try and go four and zero. Oh. Let's just take a look at the next opponents. If you if you want to remain playoff relevant, you need to go four and zero oh over this next uh, month. So let's pull up the teams. Let's see who they've got. Uh, not the St. Louis Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals. Thank you, Google. They've got the Jets. You've got the Cowboys, Seahawks, Dolphins. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm officially out on them pushing for a playoff spot. I am. I think you've got two wins in there with the Jets and the Cardinals. You really need to take care of the Cowboys. Because, look, a 5-3 and three, as they head into the second half of the schedule is not good. If you're 5-3, and three, you're going to lose to the Bills. You're going to lose to the Patriots. You're going to lose to the Rams at least once. You play the Seahawks again as well too. So if you want to be a nine and seven, ten and six team, you gotta go three and one this next month. You gotta beat the Cowboys. Seahawks are also in there in October, so that's a, a rough one as well too. Um, man, really gotta really gotta take this next month is extremely important for Arizona if they want to be pushing for the playoffs at the end of the season. Um, and for the Panthers, look, I'm still not buying. Still think there's going to be a little bit of a wash of a year for him, but two impressive wins this season. I'll give them credit where they deserve it. Um, two games now that I'm not going to talk a whole lot about. There's not a whole lot for me to talk about. Uh, Ravens versus the Washington football team. Um, Ravens take care of it pretty easily. You know, it was a 14-point game. The spread was uh, 13 and a half, or was it 14? I can't remember. Um Ravens take care of this one by 14 points. You know, Lamar did what he had to do, only threw the ball 21 times. They ran it a bunch. Uh, tough front seven in Washington, so, you know, I'm not too worried about the ground game not getting going exactly as it should. You know, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram each averaged 4.2 yards a carry. J.K. Dobbins averaged 3.2. You'd love to see more out of the running back rotation, but I'll take it. You know, it wasn't disastrous, especially when Lamar adds in 53 yards. Um, good for Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, frustrating season uh, through the first three weeks. Two touchdowns yesterday, which is huge for him. Big story for the Ravens. That defense was great. Patrick Queen, I loved the pick in the first round. I thought that was exactly what they needed. He's been phenomenal. Led the team in tackles yesterday. Um, and then on the flip side, Washington, you know, it's, it's really interesting because you look at Dwayne Haskins, 32 of 45 for 314 yards. That's not a bad stat line, but the pressure is on, you know, Ron Rivera, there seems to be this not wanting to rebuild mindset with him. And for, for good reason, I don't think you bring in Ron Rivera to be bad. 
you know, he, you know, he's one of those coaches where it's like, okay, we don't really have a ton of patience. And especially, you know, given his circumstances too, with what he's dealing now, um, you know, with his health stuff, you know, dealing through cancer treatments and stuff, life is short. You know, it, there's a short leash in Washington. Um, I officially want to claim Dwayne Haskins a fraud because he spent all offseason posting sick hype videos with Antonio Brown and all these other receivers. Like he was just doing so much this offseason on Instagram, flexing for everybody, showing off his six pack. Um, hasn't looked great. Hasn't looked great. They got stuff going. I, I, I can be excited about Washington with Ron Rivera and the receiving talent, the front seven. Need help on the offensive line. Need help in the secondary. And look, if the time comes to pull Dwayne Haskins, could be the Alex Smith show. And if this team is bad enough, Dwayne could be out of a, out of a starting job um, this offseason if, if they're in range to get Fields, Lance, or uh, Lawrence. So... We will, we will see about that. I uh, also don't want to talk too much about the Giants and the Rams. Uh, Rams, I don't know why it was so close. I don't know why uh, they could only score 17 points. I, I, look, you got out of it alive. I wouldn't say that playing an 0-4 team at home in the late afternoon slate after they traveled across the country is a trap game. Um, but look, you know, you're going to have these games every once in a while that don't um, that don't go the way that you would like them to. This is one of those games. You know, the Rams offense, it, it did what it had to do. 200 yards passing, one touchdown. You know, you tried running the ball with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. Really, the, the difference in this game was that deep 55-yard uh, touchdown to Cooper Cup. Weird game, weird game. I, I still have faith in the, in the Rams. As, as I, I, like I said, entering, entering last week, I said that the Rams are the third best team in the NFC. I'm trying to think if anybody has wowed me to where I'd put them over the Rams right now. I'm still not gonna. Still not gonna. It's still to me the Seahawks and the Packers at the top. And then I'm gonna put the Rams right behind them. Yeah. NFC South teams, Tampa and New Orleans could get up there, but to me it's still the Rams. Um, just a weird, just a weird game. Just a weird game. I'm not going to read into it too much. Uh, really fun game in, in Las Vegas, man. Bills take this one 30-23 to move to 4-0. I'm, I'm telling you guys. You know, I. It, it's such a tough thing because when you do this, you know, you're not... When you're in a situation like me where this isn't a full-time job, where you do this just for the enjoyment of it, when you're right about stuff, you always like to feel like you should be getting more credit for stuff that you're nailing. Um, and look, stuff some stuff is too early to say, but you know, yesterday I take a look and I say, I, I feel pretty good about my evaluation of certain players. You know, I, I feel validated about Josh Allen. I'm sorry that I said you needed to get him receiver talent. I think every quarterback needs receiver talent. It's why Carson Wentz doesn't look good this year. He has no receiver talent. You need receivers. Quarterback can't do everything on his own. I said he needed to get him a number one wide receiver. John Brown is a number two. Cole Beasley is a number three. That's the way they are meant to be. You get Josh Allen a number one wide receiver, it makes the whole offense hum, and all of a sudden, he looks like an MVP candidate. No turnovers again. 
He's been magnificent. Um, the ground game got a little bit more going. Not really, though. You know, Singletary got a bunch of carries. The average wasn't great. So, to me, the, the big question with this team is the run game. Can they have a balanced offense where it's not Josh having to throw, you know, you know, X amount of times? Can we have a balance, more balanced offense? That's the biggest thing to me. Um, the trio of Diggs, Brown, and Beasley is just, it's awesome. You throw in Gabriel Davis every once in a while. You give Devin Singletary some catches out of the backfield. I, I just, I love the Bills, man. I love the Bills. I love them. To me, the big test in the AFC is New England. Um, for them, you know, obviously I'm not putting them in the tier as the Ravens and the Chiefs. Could they be though? I don't know. I've seen I've seen uh, I've seen Josh Allen lead a fourth quarter comeback. <laughs> Haven't seen Lamar Jackson do that yet. Um, on the flip side of things, like the Raiders are a an ex- they're an exciting offense. They're a really bad defense. Uh, Darren Waller got things going again. Josh Jacobs didn't get things going, um, which was the big thing. The Bills have an amazing defense, especially in the front seven. Um, the Raiders are going to be, what, a six, seven win team. I, I just, I don't, they're not going to be a playoff contender to me. They're not going to be a team that um, is beating really good teams as we've seen. You know, they, they hung around with the Saints in week two. They got beaten by the Patriots and Bills. They're just one of those teams that might catch off guard for a little bit, but they're pretty easy to figure out because they're just really bad on defense. They got to fix the defense. Um, really fun game though, man. I just, I love watching this Bills offense. It's is to me, it's as exciting as it was watching Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson flourish last year. You know, when an offensive coordinator and a quarterback are just clicking like this, it is, it's poetry in motion. It really is. I just, it's, if you don't watch the Bills, like you just got to find some time out of your day to watch them. I know they're a small market. I know, you know, every, the Bills are just historically one of those franchises that don't get a lot of love. you got to watch this team. If you love good offensive football, and, you know, we've got great play callers around the league in Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean Payton, you got to watch Brian Dable and Josh Allen get to work. It's beautiful. I love the Bills. I do. Two more games to talk about. Uh, this one, um, this one, uh, this one was another frustrating gambling bet for me. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they pick up a win. They beat the Chicago Bears, nineteen to eleven. Bears' first loss of the season. Both teams now three and one. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the gambling. Why it was so frustrating for me. Uh, I had a seven or no, it was a five leg. Sorry, so it was five overs this week, and I parlayed all of them together. Uh, the over in the Bills game hit, the over in the Jacksonville Bengals game hit, the over in the Vikings-Texans game hit, and the over in Sunday Night Football, uh, Eagles and 49ers hit at the very last second. Um, Colts, Bears over was at 44.5. It just barely missed. I parlayed the 10. It was a payout of, uh, it was plus 1,078. I only put, you know, 10 bucks on it, but it's 10 turning into $107 isn't, uh, isn't that bad of a get. Um, Both offenses, man, just looked atrocious. And Colts are another one of those teams that don't get a lot of love in in the mainstream media. Um, Colts Twitter is very down about this offense. Very down about it. Um, You know, you take a look at the numbers. Phil only threw for 190 yards, had a touchdown. The ground game, you know, they had a lot. They, they, they got yards on the ground, but there's a lot of uh, 
skepticism when it comes to the Colts' offensive line in terms of run protection. They are great protecting Phillip Rivers. That man has a clean jersey all day. Um, but they're not moving the ground in the run game. And when I look at that, I say this week in particular because this is the big week where everybody was like, oh, my God, we got to pump the brakes on this offense. The Bears have a really good front seven. They have a really talented front seven, a lot of big guys. Um, I, I will admit, though, that, you know, Quentin Nelson hasn't been great against the run. Uh, Mark Lewinsky hasn't been great against the run. And Braden Smith has struggled as well, too. Um, and then you also got to say, Jonathan Taylor struggles seeing the field a little bit. They got the win. It's one of those, you know, close games where you just have to gut it out. They got into an early lead. The big story for the Colts is they might have a top three defense in the NFL. They're playing absolutely out of their mind. And, and it's a bunch of, and everybody's going to, it's tough because being a Colts fan, you know every name on that defense. You know that they're talented. You know that they're just sneaky little grabs that Chris Ballard gets late in the draft because they didn't perform well at the combine or they're dealing with an injury. But when they get into this organization, they look great. You know, uh, one of the guys, Julian Blackman, you know, everybody was like, oh, Malik Hooker is such a devastating, outside of Colts Twitter, because Colts Twitter I, I, has nailed this from what I see, for the most part. But everybody says, oh, they lose Malik Hooker. That's such a devastating injury to their back end. Malik Hooker was not going to be a Colt beyond this season. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He was going to be a free agent. They weren't going to bring him back. You know why? Because they drafted this safety out of Utah who was dealing with an Achilles injury, Julian Blackman, and he balled out yesterday. You know, he had, you call it one tackle, but that's because he had four pass breakups. He had an interception. He was phenomenal, flying around the field. Hard hitter, fast guy. He fell late in the draft because of a torn ACL. They actually brought him back 10 months after tearing his ACL. So they didn't give him a full year to recover. He came back and this looked great. Um, this Colts defense, it doesn't have a lot of names, but it's got, and I say that, you know, they still have DeForest Buckner, who's been an animal. He, he had a, a rough week one against Jacksonville and since then has balled out. Justin Houston has a sack in, I think, 12 straight games for the Colts now. Um, and on the back end, Xavier Rhodes is having a turnaround season. Rocky Sin, you know, in terms of progression, has looked really nice uh, in year two. And for about more than half of this game, we didn't have our best defensive player in, in Darius Leonard. This defense is legit. We just need to get the offense humming, get some more pushes down the field. It's, it's, um, I, don't, I don't know where to be with the Colts. You know, you, you want to be a pessimistic Colts. You know, I, I typically lean to be a little bit pessimistic when it comes to the Colts just because, um, you know, you're a little shaky about it at times and you just, you, you don't want to get your hopes up too much. I really do love this defense. I think it's going to be a thing where we see it all season. It might not be as great as it is right now because, as I said, it's historically great right now. It's going to regress a little bit. But I feel good about the Colts, man. I just got to get the offense humming. Play calling needs to be a little bit sharper. But this Bears defense is, is, is talented. It is. Um, I guess I got to talk a little bit about the Bears, too, in this one. I mean... They really couldn't get anything going on the ground. And that's why I say that, you know, the Colts front seven has been terrific. Um, you know, David Montgomery ran 10 times for 27 yards. Nick Foles was better than Mitch Trubisky. So you, you feel good about still having him the starter. They really didn't turn it on until the fourth quarter. It really didn't start getting it until they were down, you know, um, 16 to three, essentially, is what it was heading into the fourth. Um Look, the Bears aren't a bad team. 
they're three and one. You know, they started off three and zero, but they're one of those teams where I say they're clearly, you know, entering this week, they're clearly the worst three and zero team in the NFL. Um, probably more around a seven and nine, eight and eight team for me. Won't be making the playoffs in in my eyes, just when you look at the talent around the rest of the NFC. But you know, good for them. Good for them. Um, Foles is an upgrade over Mitch. You can move on from Mitch. You can move on from Foles if you're bad enough. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Obviously, you know, a, a talented division, at least with Green Bay, and, and Detroit's got a decent defense, and Minnesota hangs around. So we'll see how that division plays out. Final game, the last frustrating bet uh, of the night for me. Eagles win this one 25-20. Uh, they move to first place in the NFC East, 1-2-1. 49ers fall to 2-2 two two as they deal with just so many injuries throughout the roster. Um, like The thing that it, everybody's like, oh, the Eagles, first place in the NFC East, this, is, this win saved their season. I heard uh, Chris Collinsworth say that last night, or I think it was Chris. How did this save their season? They beat a team that had to bench, that had to bench Nick Mullins for C.J. Beathard. You know, this, this 49ers team, I, I get, you know, they destroyed the Giants last week, so that's why everybody's taking a look at it like, oh, my God. You know, if this is the difference in talent, if the Eagles are that much better than the 49ers who beat the crap out of the Giants, then, oh, the Eagles must be a good team. No, they're an awful team. They are a five-win team to me still. Maybe six. Maybe. They're an awful team. They got one lucky touchdown on a brilliant throw from Carson Wentz. Aside from that throw, Wentz was not good. He was better. He was better than he was in the first three weeks of the season, but it was not great. He had one really perfect throw that was really, you know, few quarterbacks in the league can make that throw, which is what you thought you were getting out of Carson Wentz. But when he does it one time a month, it's like, okay, well, we need a little bit more out of you. He's already thrown as many interceptions as he has all of the last, each of the last three seasons. This just, this team isn't good. Their defense is bad. Their offensive line is bad. Their receiving talent is bad. The running game is inconsistent. Miles Sanders, 13 carries, 46 yards. He did do a lot through the air. or Actually, didn't even do a lot through the air. Two catches for 30 yards. This team just isn't good. This is still Dallas. Like, you can't look at the rosters. I, people who woke up this morning saying that this is the Eagles division, just take a look at the rosters. The Cowboys could easily put up you know, what the Browns did to them on this defense. This 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 is one of the most because they won in a prime time game. No, they're a bad team that beat another bad team right now. The roster is depleted. Um, the only the, the frustrating bet for me that I gotta mention this I I put you know big money down on a on a six and a half point teaser just with the Buccaneers to win by one, San Francisco to win by one and a half. Um, you know, if they score that touchdown at the end to win it, obviously uh, that bet goes differently for me and a nice payout comes my way. But um, for the 49ers, God, it makes it, makes it look like maybe C.J. Beathard should have been in all game. Um, I know Nick Mullins looked really good against, against the Giants. Um, he didn't look great that pick six. Oh, I get it. You know, you're staring down the receiver. You don't notice the linebacker slowly creeping over, but it was a really bad look. Uh, when you just watch the play, it's like, ooh, how do you miss that? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the 49ers, they got to get healthy on offense. You know, Kittle being back is huge. <laughs> he caught all 15 of his targets for 183 yards and a touchdown. The best tight end in football. 
So yeah, look, the season's not lost for them. They're two and two with injuries. Um, you know, defensively, though, some of those injuries aren't coming back, which is the only rough part. You know, they were so great against the pass and, and against uh, the front seven was amazing. Is really what it was. And so you lose two of your starters in the front line. You lost a third one to free agency, or I mean, you traded him away for a first round pick into Forrest Buckner. So now you're just you're three guys down while Javon Kinlaw is trying to still get used to the NFL. Um, Still, you know, look, if they can get healthy on offense, if they can figure things out, I, I believe that they can still be a playoff team. Um, but this is one of those games that, you know, it's it could bite you in the butt when it gets late in the season. And, you know, the Seahawks and the Rams are both pushing for wild card spots. You've got two teams in the NFC South. Maybe a team in the NFC North is coming through. It's just going to get a little tricky. You can't let one of these games slip up like they did. Um, but I, I'm not going to, you know, say it's over for them yet. Um Two, two really great games going on tonight. Uh, excited to see, you know, I took the Chiefs at minus seven a couple days ago, obviously with the cancellation. And now, you know, there's no Cam Newton. It's up to a higher line. So I'm taking the Chiefs to win. I'm taking the Packers to win as well, too. Uh, two really exciting games. So hopefully I get both of those right. If you're listening beyond Monday night, when you hear this, hopefully I predicted them right. Uh, we shall see. Um, but it'll be a nice, a nice fun finish um, to, uh, to week four of the NFL season. Um, so we'll be back on Wednesday. I'm going to give you a breakdown of my top 10 teams in the NFL one month through the season. Friday, as always, Teddy will be back. I beat him again, 3-0 against Teddy. Uh, both of us still have winning records uh, so far this season against the spread. Maybe he'll try and uh, maybe he'll get one of these weeks on me at, at some point. But for now, I'm still the king of our picks. Um, so once again, I really appreciate you guys listening to every episode. Really appreciate the feedback and support. Hopefully you all have enjoyed what we are doing. Um, thank you so much. I will see you all on Wednesday and enjoy, enjoy some Monday Night Football. Talk to you later. Peace.